everyone. Hi. Welcome to the last quarantine episode. I know. It's 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 come to an end and we are it but it's a good thing. Yeah. We chose to end it. It's not out of our hands. Basically, we started doing these episodes because A, we needed our creative outlet back in quarantine as much as everybody else did, but we wanted to put some good happy queer news out into the world, even though we did have Ellen and stuff to deal with. I think we accomplished that. And we both feel that now the attention needs to be turned towards the election and other things that are going on, which is not usually our biggest topic. And also we want to prep a good season five for you guys. So really like all of this is good. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited that we're done. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a fun summer. For some reason, we only, every year, we record while it's hot. The good thing is, this time, we were able to do it thanks to Zoom. And so we we didn't have to go outside. Exactly. We never had to actually meet up and leave our houses. Which sucks. Maybe, Maybe now that New York is starting to open up a little bit more, we can finally see each other. This is definitely the longest we've never seen each other. Yes, agreed. So for today, we have devoted a lot of time to Ratchet, and we only really want to cover one wild thing that was announced this week. Yes. Okay, so there will be a special performance of Angels in America online on October 8th. It's being called The Great Work Begins, Scenes from Angels in America, which I want the whole play. Just going to say that right now. Yeah, I hate when, when shows like this happen on Zoom and they don't do the whole thing. Uh, is it, Has that been happening? Well, people have just been doing like reunions where they do like three scenes or like just a reunion where they talk about it. And I'm like, no, I want, I want the cast of 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee to reunite and sing the entire score. Absolutely. I don't think Hollywood will ever truly understand that fans will go through any length. Like, when they release the director's cuts of Lord of the Rings, stay with me, they're like four hours long, but the fans watch them. Like, they do it. And so if the worry is that, like, nobody would sit there on YouTube and watch, like, nine hours of Angels in America being told over Zoom, wrong. I would do it. Yeah, gay people everywhere would. You and I sat in a movie theater and watched the, like, National Theater Live recording of it. And that wasn't even live. I mean, granted, it wasn't this. But, but <laughs> like, we still were like, yeah, we will pay to go and sit there and watch nine hours of this movie we already know and have seen. Well, you hadn't seen it before. Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. That was my first time seeing the... Well, that was, yeah, that was my first time seeing it. I guess the live, the most live I've ever seen it. Yeah. But the this is notable because the cast is wild. Starting off with Glenn Close. Yeah. As Roy Cohn, which is a choice. And she's only doing one scene as Roy Cohn, right? I assume, I assume it's I, that, like, did you watch the trailer? No. Because I wanted to see it for the first time in its entirety. (laughs) 
Okay, well, something I have to tell you about the trailer before we talk about it totally is they have done some like video magic with it where it's not like Glenn Close is like sick in her bed in her bedroom with like the zoom camera over her face. It's like filtered. Well, I've seen the pictures. Okay, great. And I I was like, if you're going to go through all of this, how are you only going to do one? Like I want to, I want to see the scene with Roy Cohn where he like sees all of the other ghosts or yeah. where he sees the like I want to see that stuff I don't want to see just like Roy Cohn talking about like I don't know mean things I guess did you get a sense of what scene it was from the trailer no but I will say that that's probably because I am not as familiar with like the text okay but it seems to be like a like a hospital scene so Glenn Close as Roy Cohn S. S. Apatha Merkerson, who I love, as Belize. Brandon Uranowitz as Lewis. Brian Tyree Henry as Pryor. Laura Linney as Hannah. She's Laura Linney is so hot. She looks Hannah's so good the mom, in this picture. Right? Yeah, Hannah's the mom. Jeremy O'Harris also as Belize. Lois Smith as Harper. Interesting. Oh, Paul Dano and Andrew Reynolds also as Pryor. Paul Dano is an interesting choice. I mean, I do love him as an actor, but. And then Patty Lapone, Linda Eamond, Nikki James, and Daphne Rubin Vega are all playing the angel together with their faces laid on top of each other. Is that the whole list? Yeah. That's the whole list okay. in the New York Times article. And then it says that there are special performances by Whoopi Goldberg, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Alan Cumming. So maybe we should call up Alan Cumming and be like, tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Give us the tea on this Angels in America benefit. (laughs) I, um, oh, there's an interesting thing in this article that I'm reading that says, um, the production began earlier this summer when the actors all began filming themselves separately performing their scenes. Through the magic of modern technology, director Ellie Heyman. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Director Ellie Heyman will combine their footage together into seamless scenes in which all the performers appear together. Even better, the event allows the performers to cast themselves in unusual roles. I'm quoting this article in saying, the African-American Henry, for example, will play the role prior Walter a character specified as Caucasian in the script. And then it just says, as a full sentence, Close will play Roy Cohn, comma, a man. (laughs) (laughs) Something interesting is that it says, it lives between, uh, a quote from the director, it lives between a theater piece and a film. I've never worked on anything like it. Well, of course not. I wonder what this Ellie Heyman person has done. Not a clickable name. Here we go. Well, Robert, she has a podcast. Oh, Ellie. And she's a theater Damn. director and story maker. Aren't we all? She, I'm on her website now. How old is she? Oh, she directed Beardo. I had friends in that. She directed a production of Orlando. Oh, uh, I'm sure it's not as good as the one that I saw. I should hope not. She directs all of Aaron Markey's shows, it looks like. Interesting. I have a question. It ha- is, I don't know. I don't know why, but it's something sticking out of my head that like the last Broadway revival was directed by a woman and this is being directed by a woman. Yeah. Interesting. 
anything else to say about that or just no i'm just like oh Okay. Um, I'm very curious as to what scenes they're going to do because I feel like that could take it in very different routes because the proceeds for the event will be given to the Foundation for AIDS Research, AMFAR. AMFAR, uh, yeah. And their, and their fund to fight COVID-19. So I'm like, I don't know if this is going to, if they're going to pick scenes that like specify like the AIDS culture and the AIDS epidemic in the 80s or if they're going to, pick more scenes and excerpts that like reflect what's happening today to make it more like political or like modern like day political at least i i I, i'm curious as to like what performances will be jake and alan are giving yeah that's weird i don't know especially since it's not appearances like i feel like they could be like the the hosts of the event and be like here's this scene and here's like a little blurb about it but performances is such a weird word to put with it. Maybe they're doing monologues. Mm. I wonder if they're doing like pieces maybe like inspired by. Oh yeah, or maybe. Something. Like a song. Maybe they've written. Inspired. Oh God, I hope not. I would, uh, I mean, Whoopi can sing live, right? Yeah, so can Jake Gyllenhaal. So can Alan Cumming. Yep. That's my Jake Gyllenhaal impression. Oh, it's perfect. Spot on. I thought I was on a Zoom with him. Keep going. I don't know. I don't know the words. Stop the lyrics. Keep going. Okay. Also of note, Andrew Reynolds is having a great year in 2020. He really is. He's doing everything. He's got this. He's got the prom. He's got boys in the band. I mean, two of those are Ryan Murphy things, but he, he, uh, that might be it, but he, that's more than most can say. He's in like every big gay project. Yeah. Um, and Lois Smith, I mean, I, I will never forget, like, I have a lot of, experiences that I will never forget with the inheritance but my favorite will be talking to you about like wanting to go and being like oh yeah that's the woman from True Blood and you being like that can't be how you know her (laughs) her name is Lois Smith and she's a stage icon I it's like um oh my god I went to go see Indian Ink at Roundabout Mm -hmm. starring Oh my gosh, what's her name? The other, like, older woman actress? There are plenty of old women actresses. Rosemary Harris. Rosemary Harris. And I walked in and was like, oh, it's Aunt May from Spider-Man. And the guy I was on a date with was like, that can't be how you know her (laughs) before we see this play. So I put Lois up there with, with Rosemary. Rosemary Harris was Aunt May? In the first, or I guess like in the Tobey Maguire trilogy. Oh, I don't remember those that well. Because of course, the only true Aunt May is Marissa Tomei. I like that all three Aunt Mays, the Rosemary and uh, the new, the uh, Marissa Sally Tomei Field. and... Sally Field. Sally Field and... Lily Tomlin. That's... Yes. I was like, who voices her? Like, they're all so different. Yeah. That I I accept 
that there are multiple Aunt Mays. I don't accept that there are multiple Spider-Mans. Okay, fine. Yeah. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Like, when the first, this is off topic, but, like, when Far From Home came out, or, like, the Homecoming, the first Tom Holland one, I was like, nobody needs this. Nobody needs another Spider-Man. Like, we already got two two good ones. We don't need a third. And yet Um, it was worth it for Marissa Tomei's butt in those jeans. I remember the first time she showed up in that movie, and I was like, damn, she looks like Aunt May, like, with Gloria Steinem, like, all, like, in, in one image. She is very beautiful. She is very beautiful. Um, I'm also very curious as to who cast this Angels in America virtual benefit. Just getting back on topic. Right. Because it seems to be mainly theater people. And they were like, we're just going to pull the biggest things possible. But then they have those like rogue people thrown in there, like Nikki M or like Nikki M James and Daphne Rubin Vega, who I was like, Oh yeah, those are, those are people. Daphne Rubin Vega is pretty famous. She is, but like, I mean, not as famous as Glenn Close. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I feel like they come from very different pools of New York actors. Daphne Rubin Vega was in one of the two most successful musicals of all time. Which one? Rent. <laughs> I was I was going to say, and I haven't seen her do anything in a long time, but then I forgot about um, that musical. <laughs> Miss You Like Hell. But like, hey, I mean, I'm glad to see all of these people doing stuff. Now, here's the big question. Will you be watching? Of course. Okay, great. Me too. I was waiting for you to be like, No. <laughs> I probably won't watch it live. When is it? Same. It's on October 8th. Unclear if it's free. I, ass- I If it is free, great. I'll try to watch it live. But if not, I don't know. Because it's a benefit, I'm like, oh, I wonder if you have to buy tickets. But in the link or in the article that I'm reading, it just says it'll be streaming. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I have work that night. But but yeah, I'll watch. I guess we can switch to Ratchet. Yeah. Ratchet, Ratchet. Well, Sarah Paulson made that Instagram video that was like, is it pronounced ratchet or ratchet or ratchet or ratchet? And I was like, shut up. I think it's ratchet. It is ratchet. I say, I say ratchet. I mean, it's the same. Ratchet and ratchet are the same. Who I, okay. So I assume we have some blanket statements to make before we start talking about it. Okay. Um, I would love if we... Well, I guess first. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it. I liked it a lot more than I expected, too. Something I realized halfway through it is that it, like, is but isn't a Ryan Murphy show. Right. So we discovered that... or Well, you discovered that Ryan Murphy... I saw in the credits of the first episode that Ryan Murphy um, had de- someone else created it. Ryan Murphy developed it and then was an executive producer. Yes. And then he directed the first two episodes. Yes. But that was his only involvement. Yeah. And it definitely felt different. Yeah. Aesthetically, it was very Ryan Murphy. And I think maybe the most aesthetically pleasing of his shows. Definitely. Uh, but after the pilot, I was like, that was kind of bad. Like, this can't be a Ryan Murphy show. And that's what made me look it up. And I was a little surprised. Yeah, I was too. Especially because, 
Ryan Murphy has been so like, it's number one in all these places. Thanks so much. It's like, well, it's not really your show. And also Sarah Paulson has has talked about it like it's Ryan Murphy's show. She did say one thing that made me think that his involvement was a little bigger than I expected. She was like, throughout it, she would be freaking out that she was doing a bad job or she wasn't really oh, yeah. delivering the character. You said this And she last was week. like, oh, I did? Yeah. And how um, she was nervous that it was her first big like titular role. And after watching it and realizing that he wasn't really a part of it, I was like, I wonder how much like executive control he put onto the production of it because it still felt like a Ryan Murphy air quote like show. Yes, it definitely did. It, both in terms of, like, quality and in terms of appearance, it, it was very Ryan Murphy. Yeah. Well, okay, so what did you not like? There actually wasn't really anything I didn't like. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything that I, like, hated or didn't like. Mm-hmm. I really liked all of it. Um, I hated... And I'm just going to put it out there. The the visual of the lobotomies. Oh, well that, yeah. I understood that it had to be so gross that you understood that she was able and interested to like, it, it, able enough to watch it and interested enough to keep watching it. So it had to be that gross. But some of the things in that show, I was like, okay, I I have to turn away from the screen and just like let this play out because... It, it just got to me. But other parts of it were beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I would say in terms of the, like, goriness and bloodiness, it sort of dropped off after, like, the fourth episode. The second half was a lot less intense in terms of visual scariness. And I wouldn't say I hated that. It just, like, I just thought it was gross. Since you bring up, like, the difference between the first half and the second half, I I felt the tonal difference happen midway through the season and I was nervous that that Ryan Murphy thing was going to happen where it would fall apart really quickly and kind of go nowhere but it didn't and I actually really loved the second half a lot more than I liked the first but I feel like the first was just kind of setting up for the second um but those last couple of episodes were really wonderful and I just got to open the door to it. Loved the relationship between Sarah Paulson and Cynthia Nixon. Me too. The one thing I will say about the show as a whole and like also specifically about that relationship is that I was saying to my mom that I feel like just from what I know about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I think it was like very, very loosely based on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because the whole thing about Nurse Ratched, as far as I remember from having seen one production of the play, like eight years ago um seven years ago was like nurse ratchet is supposed to be cold and heartless and so i went into the show expecting her to be cold and heartless and so when she started the first time she was like i do have feelings for you to cynthia nixon i was like here here we go she's about to manipulate the shit out of her and she's gonna manipulate her to get the governor to let Edmund go but then as their relationship progressed I was sort of realized I was like oh this is just an actual relationship this is not manipulation and she is not at all like she is in the play and I assume book and movie. A friend of mine told me that in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest that character is more meant to be like symbolic 
for like the system at large and how they don't actually care about the patients. Me having never really experienced one through the cuckoo's nest, like we talked about last week, but I agree the that scene that you're talking about the one where she goes to her and like manipulates her into coming to the dance with her and like you know that she needs her there to witness certain things and for it all to happen but then there's that underlying like but sarah actually sarah but ratchet actually wants this to happen as well she's just kind of like killing two two birds with one stone i was like i i'm really into this and i i was genuinely shook when Cynthia got shot because of that. Yeah, me too. Their relationship for me kind of sold the show. Like even in the earlier episodes, the first time that, uh, I think it's the first time that they like go out together and they go get lunch and then they go to the women's club at night. When they walked in, I was like, oh, oh, if this isn't the main plot, I'm going to be upset because this is actually really cool. And then it kind of was. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think the main plot was the whole Edmund thing, but I think it it was like the secondary plot. Also, I, the Edmund plot was definitely interesting and like kept me invested in it. But can we talk about how brilliant the puppet like episode was? Oh yeah, that was amazing. It was so disturbing. The, when it started, I like rolled my eyes and was like, oh, we're like really going to do this. But I, they just really committed to it. And I was like, this is brilliant television. It was just, uh, just one, like wonderful storytelling. I feel like that, like if Ryan had anything to do with that, it showed because over the last couple projects that he's worked on, I feel like that's something he's honed in on. Just me, you know, a Ryan Murphy scholar. (laughs) And it was just so lovely to watch. And I don't know if that's because it was genuinely, genuinely good or if that's just because I'm so creatively starved, but I'm like, oh, interesting. (laughs) Love it. But yeah, Yeah, super fucked up. I haven't seen anything like really amazing in so long that I feel like I was a little bit just sort of dazzled by just something visually stunning with like a really smart writing. Yeah. The writers on the show definitely knew how to write for Sarah Paulson. Yeah. And Judy Um, Davis. I thought Judy Davis was brilliant. And also all of her like one-liners were so funny. They really, it's, it's hard because like, did I love the show? I can't say it's my favorite, like Ryan Murphy production out there, but I got so invested in the characters that it made me like the show because I felt like the characters were like fully fleshed out in a way that I didn't expect. Like the, what was her name? Betty, Betty Bucket? Yeah, Betsy Bucket. Betsy. Like that character in the first two episodes, I was like, I know exactly where this is going to go and I'm not going to like it. And it didn't not go there, but towards the end when the two of them decided to just be professional about it and then ended up like low-key teaming up because of some slight manipulation on Sarah's part. I was like, I'm here for this friendship. And the fact that she went to Mexico to go visit like her lesbian friends. Yeah. I <laughs> so good. I guess this is kind of jumping ahead, but speaking of the ending, do you think that there will be a season two? I hope so. I mean, I think it was good enough to deserve a season two. Me too. And I, there, there was a point towards the end of the show, right around when they flash forward, 
where I, first of all, was like, oh, I feel like the last couple of Ryan Murphy projects have done this kind of like, the season happens and happens and happens and then we're gonna stop and the rest of it is, is gonna be in the future. But I was like, oh, I guess, and then she's gonna get drawn back to the hospital for some reason, because we have to eventually get to the one flew over the cuckoo's nest plot line. Like it has to like connect in some way. But at the same time, if there wasn't a season two, I wouldn't be devastated. Yeah, it um, ended on a really good note. Yeah. Can we talk about how hot Dolly was? Yeah. Yeah. She, when she first shows up in the first episode, and I thought she was just going to be like, I thought she was going to be like the other nurse in the first episode where she's just like gone or she's just like a featured extra basically. And then as soon as she became a character, I was like, I'm investing everything in this character because I am so in love with her. And I followed her on Instagram and she does not have a good Instagram presence, but I followed her anyway. She has an Instagram presence like, like me. She just like posts when she has something coming out. (laughs) What, what's her hair color? She's blonde. Because her IMDb picture is like this dark brown, like almost red. And I was like, oh, girl, you look so much better blonde. But I felt the same way. I thought that when she first showed up, I was like, oh, she's going to end up dying within an episode, maybe two. Like she's not going to turn into the Bonnie of the like Bonnie and Clyde plot at the end of the show. I I could have taken more of her character, honestly. Oh, yeah. I guess she is dark brown in this IMDb picture. Not my favorite look for her. Yeah. Oh, but then there are pictures of her as like a pure brunette and she looks really good. Okay. Speaking of hair, um, I just got to put this out there. Sarah Paulson's wig in Ratchet is like obnoxiously terrible. Oh, I loved it. Oh, when it towards in the first couple of episodes when it was like dark with those like bright red streaks going through it i was like what's happening here and then they i was like you can't show that many close-ups of somebody's face with a showing their lace front yeah. around the whole side i was like oh somebody come get this wig but she looked really good it's not my favorite sarah paulson look in the world but the costumes that they put her in were like every Ryan Murphy gay's dream. Yeah, I think all of the costumes were just so beautiful. The one I want to I want to say it's in the last couple of episodes. It's like a mustard look, and it has a hood, and the hood is featured for 0.2 seconds. She literally like takes it off and like reveals her face. I was like, somebody was like, hmm, what if there was a hood? <laughs> and they were right. I liked it. I wanted it. Oh, you know what else I hated? Corey Stoll's, like, burning skin. That can go. Yeah, again, I didn't hate that. I just thought it was gross. Mm. Oh, Harriet Harris? Yeah, that was a surprise. Oh, honestly, Sarah's journey as a queer woman in the show was spectacular. Period. That's my, that's my okay. whole thought. <laughs> I just loved that it started with like somebody being like I'm pushing this to the back this is what I believe in and then being like oh maybe this is a part of who I am oh who Cynthia Nixon and just the slow progression of it throughout the series that led like 
when she gives that speech to Cynthia Nixon in the hospital bed. I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> but when she gives that speech to her and she's like, I hid all of this for so long and I want to like do all of this with you. It felt very deserved. Like it didn't feel incredibly forced. I was like, this character like really took a full journey in this eight episodes. And I then didn't feel like the, the epilogue with them in Mexico was cringeworthy. Like I was like, this is deserved. I love them together. I'm glad that Cynthia was able to see past all of the stuff that she could have turned away from. And I, I just really loved them. Yeah, me too. I thought it was one of the best queer relationships I've seen in a long time. Queer women relationships that I've seen in a long time. Maybe since, I mean, this isn't like a long time ago, but since um, Wild Nights with Emily. Uh, such a good movie. I've been suggesting that movie to friends. I also feel like this showed parts of like lesbian history that we know about or we've talked about, but we haven't really seen depicted on screen in it, if not ever, but like at least a while um, in such a positive way. Like it was still obviously very hidden in a way, but it wasn't like, like when they went to the, when, when they went to the women's bar, it wasn't like, and then something bad happened. Does that make sense? Like, uh, like obviously, like Sarah kind of like recoiled when they went, but it wasn't like the bar got taken down or something. Like, it wasn't like a tragic queer story throughout. Yeah, it. I see what which you mean. Which what is, which is what made them in New Mexico like so nice and lovely, and also that like every character they met, besides I guess the conversion therapy happening at the hospital, everybody else seemed to be kind of like, oh, okay, cool, you guys keep doing what you're doing, including the governor when he found yeah. out. Yeah, which was weird. I, I thought it was very strange that the governor reacted that way. I did not, I was like, I don't think that's how that man would react. Yeah, when he was like, my sister's like one of you, I was like, first of all, are you going to hook one of them up with your sister? Because uh, she's probably, I don't know, lonely since she's your sister. But also, like, it kind of came out of left field, especially because of how he had treated both of them through the entirety of the show. I also Um, thought it was kind of evil of them to be like, what should Cynthia Nixon do? Oh, she should be the governor's secretary. I laughed so, so hard when they revealed her job. And then when she was like maybe I'll move east and try to go into politics. I was like, it's not going to work out for you, girl. I w- it's sad. I was ready to vote for her. But I'm glad. I did vote I mean, for I'm her. Glad it- I I must have. Because I voted. Yeah, then you probably voted for her. I didn't vote for her because I was still technically a Maryland resident for that election. Oh, okay. I was like, I, I was like, I was really happy for- to vote for her, but I, I wasn't able to. Um, speaking of Cynthia Nixon, though, she was incredible in that house scene. Which house scene? Um, it's the scene where Sarah, like, goes to her and is like, I recently came into a bunch of money. You should come away with me. And she's like, no, I can't. That oh, scene that scene, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm moving out east. They really were like, okay, Cynthia, here's some pages. Show Like, give us what you got. <laughs> I felt like that was the whole show for her. Like, every scene she had was really, like, 
intense acting. Also the relationship with her husband. Yeah, that was sweet. I've never seen that on screen before. A lavender marriage? Yeah. And uh, he's the same guy from Boys in the Band. Yeah. So now he is officially a three-time Ryan Murphy player. Oh, because he was on Glee. Yeah. And is it, this is Cynthia's Ryan Murphy debut, right? Yes. Charlie Carver, obviously Ryan Murphy fave right now. That's kind of it, though. Just Sarah and Charlie and Brian. Um, and uh, uh, what's his name? The guy from Miss Saigon who was the doctor. John John Briones. He was in American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Oh, okay. Oh, and obviously um, Finn Whitrock. Uh, I... I thought he was so good. Me too. I didn't realize until the end of the show that I didn't really believe them as siblings. But yeah. I think that's because I was looking at it as Sarah Paulson and Finn like Whitrock. But his performance was so well done to the point where like at the end when Sarah was like explaining how she wanted to kill him so that he didn't have to go to the chair. I was like, good. Like I want that. I want this for you guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I could have done with like some less of the LSD stuff. Oh, I texted you that like, I wish that there was more in the lighting. I, what, I didn't really understand like what the lighting changes meant. Oh, like when it went green and red. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't I get assume, that either. I assume that it means something. And I want to say that maybe the green is like the drugs and red is maybe like anger. <laughs> I know red was anger. Green, I didn't know. But what a bold choice. I was super into it. And I hope that if there is a season two, that that like style carries through to it. Also, the oh my God, the music. Oh yeah, the score is my favorite part. Uh, in the first episode, I was like, this might get annoying but every, uh, because the, sometimes the music cues were, no, I, I want to say like noticeable, but that's also what I loved about it. I feel like on TV, especially music is meant to like not really be noticed. And if it yeah. is noticed, it's a bad thing. And in this, they were like, no, we want you to listen to this music on top of these scenes. Yeah. And it made it the, feel a lot more like grand in scale. Absolutely. And it, it felt like the, the music was sitting like, on top of the scene instead of under the scene, if that makes sense. Definitely. So really, okay, so where would you, how many stars would you give Ratchet? Out of how many? Hmm, we'll go with five. Five. I would probably say like a like four, four and a half. Yeah. It didn't really make me want to go watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but I think I'm okay with me that. Me neither. Me neither. I think if there are like a bunch more seasons they're going to have to eventually get to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And at that point, I would watch it probably. But it didn't feel necessary for this. This felt like its own thing. Yeah. did I, I'm going to ask this question, but I know the answer. Did you watch Bates Motel? No. I hope that if it does continue, it does something like that, where basically they like come right up against the psycho plot line and it gives you everything that you need to get there, but it doesn't like it doesn't get there and stop does that make sense yeah like it it really sets it up and it's like the next thing to happen would probably be the psycho plot but you can get there by yourself doesn't rihanna play marion crane i want to say yes i think oh i think so yeah marion crane two episodes what a good show <laughs> 
I'm trying to think if I have anything else to say about the show. I don't think I have anything else to say. Oh, I did see a review right before I started watching it that was like, Ratchet is more American Horror Story than it is One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. And if that's like somebody's opinion on it, I think that's valid and isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I think, if anything, that's more of a reason to watch it because they do have such a grip on that. On that style. Yeah. And they pull it off in, in a really great way. I I mean, I would watch almost anything done in this style. Yeah, me too. Oh, me too. Absolutely. But otherwise, I guess that's it on, on Ratchet and and for the season. Yeah. Our, our little quarantine season. But, however, if you do want to hear more of us, you can go to patreon.com slash one more thing and sign up at the $1 level for a new episode every month or the $5 level for an episode and a video every month. How does that sound? I mean, you're right. The party doesn't stop here. <laughs> we got to keep going. And I hope that everybody, I, I'm just putting this out into the world because I feel like it needs to be, I hope everybody takes this time to pay attention to the election, do what they need to do, vote when they need to vote, early voting is a thing. And we will still be active on all of our social media and stuff. We're not going away forever. And we are. We hope to bring you guys like an, a, a fully realized actual season five very soon. And to be completely honest, if something huge happens, we'll release an episode. Oh, absolutely. And we've already started talking about the Thingy Awards and what's going to happen with that. So if you're a fan of that, stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, speaking of voting. Wow. We want you to vote for the Thingy Awards. Yep. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at One More Thing. And also, as always, thank you, Abby Davis, for all of the artwork that you've provided. And thank you to... David, who has been a huge help with us, not only, you know, last season, but throughout quarantine as well. He is a teacher in middle America, so everybody keep him in your thoughts. Yeah, really. We hope you all stay safe and that you all are clinging on to the things that make you happy. And we will see you soon. Yeah. So for now, goodbye. Bye.